Many of you will be aware that it's in the Gospel accounts written by Matthew and Luke that we find the various events surrounding the birth of the Lord Jesus, those events with which we're so familiar and which we remember every Christmas time. The angel appearing to Mary and Joseph to announce and explain what is about to happen. The census ordered by the Roman authorities which requires Joseph to take himself and Mary to Bethlehem so that the baby would be born there rather than back in their hometown of Nazareth. Their struggle to find a proper place to stay so that Jesus would be laid in a manger, no crib for a bed. The visit of the angels to the shepherds to announce Christ's birth as they're watching their flocks at night and their joy at finding things just as they were told. Then the later arrival of the wise men from the Easts and their dealings with Herod and following the star to the place where they can find Jesus and offer their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And throughout those well-known scenes which we take up as Bible readings at carol services and which are the inspiration for the lyrics of the carols themselves, throughout all of that there are certain details which are not new. And they're not new in the sense that various aspects of Christ's coming into the world had already been made known by God. In some cases, it's factual details. The wise men came and asked about this baby. Herod, you remember, asked his, his uh, cohort, well, where can we expect to find such a baby? Ah, the Bible tells us it's in Bethlehem. So some of it is factual detail. Some of it is explanation about what it is that God's actually doing through these events. All of these previously known things are known because God has already spoken about them through his prophets in the Old Testament. And that's what this little series of five messages is all about in the run-up to Christmas. Sometimes, as with this morning's passage in Matthew, the Old Testament scripture is actually quoted by the Gospel writer. At other times, our own study of the Bible reveals these connections that exist. And this is one of the key reasons why we can be so confident about the identity of the Lord Jesus Christ and why he came into this world. So we're going to open our Bibles in these opening chapters of Matthew and Luke and kind of draw an imaginary highlighter pen across various verses and phrases which will help us to see and understand that the Christmas story is all about the fact that that which God had promised has come. God coming into this world to become our salvation for us. 
What a statement of truth that is. Just think of that. That God himself came into the world to become for us our salvation. Which is why we speak so readily of the Lord Jesus as our saviour. And God spoke of these things centuries earlier. Let me, let me just remind you of a few of the phrases that were contained within those readings that we had earlier on. First of all, in the first chapter of Luke, here are some of the phrases again. To a virgin, betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. You'll conceive in your womb, bring forth a son and call his name Jesus. How can this be? asks Mary. I have never been with a man. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also, the Holy One who is born will be called the Son of God. And then in, in Matthew's account of these events, he says this, After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take to you Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She'll bring forth a son. You'll call his name Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. And then, says Matthew, all this was done. All this that you're reading about, all this that we keep reading about year after year, every Christmas time, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. That prophet was Isaiah. That verse with Ma which Matthew quotes is verse 14 of chapter 7 of Isaiah. Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. Well, just for a few moments, let me tell you a little about Isaiah and the situation in his day. And then I want to bring from this verse that Matthew quotes three very simple lessons. Well, what about Isaiah? Well, Isaiah ministered to the people of Judah in Jerusalem around 700 years before the birth of Christ. During his time of ministry, various kings came and went. And in chapter 7, Isaiah is addressing a king with the name Ahaz. Like most of the kings of Israel and Judah during that period of Israel's history, Ahaz was not a godly man or king. And in the second book of Kings, at chapter 16, uh, we read uh, an assessment of him as the king 
which is all too familiar, sadly. Ahaz was 20 years old when he became king, and he reigned 16 years in Jerusalem, and he did not do what was right in the sight of the Lord his God. And sadly, that kind of assessment was all too true of so many of the kings of Israel and Judah. Well, at that time, Judah and Jerusalem were under threat from an alliance of several powerful kings in the north. And God used Isaiah to take a message to King Ahaz, urging him to put all his trust in God, because God would be their deliverer and their protector. But if you don't believe in the Lord Ahaz, you will not know God's deliverance and protection. Ask a sign of God if you need to, Ahaz. God is ready to show himself faithful to his promise. And Ahaz refused. Again and again, God's people, Israel, because of their own sinful and stubborn rebellion, they brought God's judgment upon themselves. God is righteous. God is holy. God is just. And sin is awful in his eyes. Indeed, the Bible says that sin is so awful and God so good that he cannot bring himself to look upon sin. His eyes are too pure for such a thing. And he must punish sin, and he moves in angry condemnation against sinners. But, but, he's also a God of infinite compassion, and of mercy, and of grace, and of long-suffering, and kindness, and forgiveness. Time and again, God, God pleads with Israel, turn from your sins, return to me. And he, he pleads with arms outstretched, ready to welcome them, ready to forgive, ready to shower them with his love, and his grace, and his mercy. Ask for a sign if you need to, Ahaz. And he will not. Then, then it is that Isaiah makes this remarkable statement. Well, Ahaz, the day will come when God himself will give you a sign. You and all all Israel. God will give you the ultimate sign that he is a God of compassion and mercy and grace and forgiveness. Now as it happens, it will be 700 years until the fulfillment of that promise, but it will arrive and it did arrive. All this was done, says Matthew, as he's writing his account of that first nativity. All this is done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. And he quotes Isaiah. 
And in case we're not sure, Matthew adds about this name Emmanuel, he tells us, which is translated God with us. The ultimate sign and demonstration of God's love, God's mercy, God's compassion, God's grace, God's forgiveness, God's salvation. And I want to invite you to consider with me three very simple truths which are laid before us in these words which Matthew quotes from the prophet Isaiah. Number one, this is from God. The Lord himself will give you a sign. This is from God. God. This sign has not been given because this sinful world was desperately sitting on the edge of its seat looking for this sign. This sinful world doesn't, doesn't want to be rescued from its sin. It wants to be left all alone, to plunge itself ever deeper into its sin. Look all around you at the world you live in. Read some of the laws that are being placed on statute books all around the world today. Look at the news headlines this week. Read again verses 9 to 18 of Romans chapter 3 and you'll see there are none who seek after God. The world was not on the edge of its seat waiting for this sign. But God sent it anyway. This is from God. Now, of course, many would like to think that God, if he is there, might be for them some kind of magic genie. They can call upon him to get them out of unpleasant or difficult or undesirable circumstances. But you can be certain that if he did, uh, they would soon be off on their own merry way again. And just like those nine out of ten lepers uh, who, having been healed by Jesus, never had the thought to come back and thank him. So why do we have this sign? Why have we been given this sign? Why has this prophecy been fulfilled? Why did Jesus come into the world if the world neither wanted it or requested it. Because this is from God. It is while we were still sinners that Christ died for us. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The Lord himself will send his son. Why? Because even though you and I and everyone else have rejected God and ignored God and disobeyed him and blasphemed him and given him no reason to show us kindness, because of who he is, because of who he is in his love, and his mercy, and his compassion, and his grace, and his forgiveness. Because of who he is, 
God long ago decided that he himself would become our salvation for us. And so he sent his son that he might be our saviour. The sinless God becoming the sacrifice for our sins. The judge taking upon himself the punishment of those who are guilty. There is no message like this anywhere. This is the heart of God exposed. That he would choose to do this. And Isaiah was pleading with Ahaz all those centuries before. Oh, Ahaz, if only you would see the sign that God is going to give. If only you would understand the heart of God. How could you ever reject him? How could you not turn to him and put your trust in him? Well, I have to ask you, how is it going to be for you this Christmas season? How is it for you right now that God has given this sign of his love, his grace, his mercy? What will you make of this sign that God has given at this Christmas season? God himself has intervened on your behalf. This is from God for you as a sinner. Number two. This is of God. This is of God. The virgin shall conceive and bear a son. Now, it is true, just in case anyone has a mind to raise it, it is true that in the Hebrew, Isaiah does not actually use the Hebrew word for a virgin because there was such a word in the Hebrew language, but it's not the word Isaiah uses. He actually uses the Hebrew word for a young girl. Aha! Say those who would love to reduce the word of God to rubble around your feet. Ah, there you have it. The Bible has intentionally been wrongly translated from the Hebrew to try and justify your teaching about the virgin birth, you deceitful lot. Well, the Hebrew word that Isaiah uses, almor, it does literally translate as young girl. And it isn't the specific Hebrew word for a virgin. But, as far as we can tell, and as far as I'm aware, no one has ever produced any evidence to contradict this, the word that Isaiah uses is only ever used to speak of a young girl who is unmarried. It's never used of a young girl who's married. And as far as the Old Testament is concerned, a young Israelite girl who was unmarried would be a virgin. So it isn't being deceitful to translate it in this way. Matthew, it's recorded there for us, the virgin shall be with child. But it wasn't actually the word for virgin that Isaiah used. But let us remember this also. 
an apostle inspired by the Holy Spirit tells us that this prophecy of Isaiah regarding Mary who when she conceived was beyond doubt a virgin. This inspired apostle is saying, now this verse from the Old Testament scriptures is speaking of Mary. So we can be sure of the ground upon which we stand. And we see from the way the story unfolds, don't we? Joseph certainly knew that he wasn't responsible which is why he initially wanted to put her, put her away quietly. Because it would have been a scandal. Of course, if Joseph had known the baby was his, well, I suppose he could have thought, well, we'll, we'll just get married straight away anyway. Plenty of children who've been born nine months after their parents got married, uh, probably even more back in the day, maybe we'll get away with it but that's not the kind of man Joseph was and that wasn't the situation they were in the angel confirms that Mary has not been unfaithful to him the virgin shall conceive but that cannot be can it that cannot be quite right unless God has done it. Because this is from God, but this is of God. God is intervening in his created world in a way in which only he, the creator, can intervene. The natural order is being bypassed because he is God and he can. And the natural order is being bypassed because the natural order must be bypassed. A sinful man and a sinful woman produce a sinful child. Don't they? But the Bible also teaches that because man is the spiritual head of woman, the accountability for that child's sinfulness falls on the man. We've all sinned in Adam, Paul teaches, not in Eve, even though Eve was the first one to commit the sin. No, we've all sinned in Adam. So, this inheriting a sinful human nature, this being born as a sinner, that has to be broken for Christ. And God breaks it. Jesus does not have a human father. The sinful line of descent has been broken as the Holy Spirit works a miracle inside Mary's body and the second person of the Godhead the Lord Jesus Christ takes on human flesh but not sinful human flesh inside the body of Mary 
and he is conceived in Mary's womb that she may bear a son who is fully human but who also is the very son of God. This is, going, this is from God but this is of God. Fully man yet without sin and so is qualified to die in my place and yours. The man who is God and so is qualified to die in my place and in yours. What a sign. It is from God and it is of God. And thirdly, this actually is God. Emmanuel, God with us. It is from God, it is of God, and as we consider this child, this is God. But you've just said he has a human nature and is fully man. Yes. And now you're saying that he is God. Yes. I'm glad you've got it. You'll call his name Emmanuel. And for those who've missed the point, says Matthew, the name means God with us. This Emmanuel, this Jesus, this baby, this Saviour is God. Now this evening, God willing, Chiprian will move on in this series and he'll help us to consider some of the glorious things that Isaiah will tell us about this child just a few chapters later. So I'm being careful not to cover his ground this morning. Come back this evening as we continue to hear from the prophet Isaiah. But in this sign, here is God who will not spare even his own son for sinners. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. This Jesus is the eternal word who was with God and who from all eternity past was God and for all eternity future will continue to be God. But he became something he never was before. He became man and he became the man who is God and he is that even now and he forever will be the man who is God. And God is about to reveal his love and his mercy. God is about to reveal his compassion and his grace. God is about to reveal his forgiveness and his salvation and set free sinful, guilty men and women. And who can do that? Who can do it fully? Who can do it completely? Who can do it without fault? What sinful man or woman would be up to that task? None. Only God can do that through the perfect and sinless human life of his son and through his atoning death.
Isaiah says to Ahaz, Oh, Ahaz, if you would just see the sign that God is going to give. What a sign. It is from God. It is of God. It is God. That's what this Christmas message is all about. How thankful we are that we're not restricted to it for just a couple of weeks every year. This is the gospel. This is our message. This is our life and our hope. The Lord's table is before us next this morning for those of us who are Christian believers. What do we see here in the table? We see represented here that which is of God. We see represented here that which is from God. We see represented here that which is God. We see this remembrance of the Saviour who has died as the once for all sacrifice for sin. We see the remembrance of his broken body and of his shed blood. He who was once this child born of Mary is God's son who gave himself for me. Here is the height and the depth and the length and the breadth of God's love on display. That he did not spare his own son that I might have forgiveness and peace and mercy and life everlasting. Do you have it in Christ? Have you come to this Lord Jesus that you might have that which he came to give? It is God's free gift at the cost of the suffering of his beloved son. From God. Of God. Purchased for us on the cross. By the man who is God. What will you make? What do you make of God's stupendous gift of love?